Bob's a good Are you gonna do an intro or? Uh, uh, we had sex in a Target dressing room today. <laughs> it's Mormon and the Meth Head. If you put a Mormon and a Meth Head together, this is what they sound like. Aaron Woodall and just a radar fence. Listen to them talking to Mike. This fucking, uh, I'm now convinced that the transformed wife is a troll, is an elaborate internet troll. Not like, look, people don't know what troll means. People just think everyone they don't like on the internet is a troll. But a troll is a person who intentionally is saying things to get a rise out of you. And so people create fake accounts to get people to freak out. And I used to think this was some brainwashed christian uh lady that believes in all this women should submit and stuff and she writes these irritating fucking like notes on lined paper and then posts them as pictures about how women need to be her handwriting is so nice her handwriting is nice uh makes me feel better about mine but uh and your handwriting can be nice too if you'll just submit to your husband (laughs) it has to be nice so that your husband will love you uh, what was the one I posted uh, yesterday? She said... Jessa is the Transformed Wife's biggest fan. I, I yeah, yeah. I I talked to somebody about doing just weekly updates on the Transformed Wife where I just do like a video rant about her because I was obsessed with her. And what it seems like now, though, is that her she has either completely lost it or she is not real. Someone has taken over her account because today her post was that men want virgin, literal virgins that debt, are debt free without tattoos. Without tattoos. And she made a picture with Comic Sans fucking uh, like Pinterest picture of a blonde woman with those words on top. Like yeah. this is you know, men. Men want debt free virgins, and then in parentheses without tattoos. And I was like, fuck! I racked up so much debt getting all my tattoos. <laughs> And paying for sex. Oh, I fucking hate it. It makes me... Because the whole thing is is about how to get a man and then how to keep a man. But it was interesting that her take was like about the U.S. education system. <laughs> it was like, our poor, our poor virgins without tattoos <laughs> are trying to get... Are just getting... Are just... I mean, they're getting... Our poor virgins are getting fucked <laughs> by... United States universities. I think that this is a real problem. And but it's not like the in her mind it's just a problem because then those girls can't get married. Yeah. <laughs> I don't I'm surprised that she's an advocate for women going to school at all because she <laughs> rants. Where else are they going to find a husband? Their handwriting. That's why women used to go to college. Did you know that? So that they could find a husband. That's what, what do you mean? Used, I saw that. What do you mean used to? I went to Brigham Young University, Jessa. That is why they still go to college. Just that one college. Fuck. I think uh, that there's probably a few, but yeah, I know. I do. Yeah. I don't. I, 
there are girls i'm sure i've talked about this before but you'll hear conversations on campus yeah um of 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 girls being like oh, i'm never gonna get married they're 19 they're 19 and they're so sad that their entire freshman year has passed and they haven't gotten engaged yet my my tabitha was like that she was there were several people that she tried to marry before i came home for my mission and none of them wanted to marry her and she was really bummed about it there was all these like oh, older i guys. did not know yeah, this i she thought was, she'd never been dumped was, well yeah i guess there's she isn't that's that is that is still technically true right but there are these two dudes that were like older dudes that she was really into then there were like uh then there was another dude her freshman year that would have married her but he had to go on a mission and then I came into the picture and she was like, I'll take that guy. Thank you. God, it's such a weird culture because there's no other 19 year olds thinking about getting married in 2018. I hope not. No. When I was younger, that wasn't crazy. Like when I got married as a teenager, it wasn't bananas for somebody in their early 20s to get married, but it was on its way out. But these days it's like it's almost weird to get married before 30. Mm hmm. I think de definitely. I think um, social class uh, differs, you know. Yeah, the uh, fact that I you think, have to live I with think, your parents until you're 30 now. Well, I think the poor that you are. No, I just think if oh. you come from a lower socioeconomic status, then you you tend to get married younger. Uh, but That, that explains uh, why I got married at 16. <laughs> you were like, I'm bottom <laughs> rung. <laughs> uh, lucky I, I made it out of middle school still unwed. All right, let's talk about this fucking cunt, though. The last thing was about women need to shut up. That the last thing that your man needs is for you. Now she's on the internet talking this shit, which is the irony. But like the the last thing your husband needs is you talking to him when he is trying to do anything. He shouldn't be burdened with you talking. And this is an extreme example, but this is really the kind of misogyny that I encountered in Christianity. There were definitely women's meetings and conferences and stuff with a very uh, slightly more subtle version of this. Absolutely. Like you're, you're, you exist as a woman to please your man because he's the one that is absolutely connected to God. The way the church serves Christ, you serve your man. Paul said that. Was Mormonism... Mormonism, Mormonism has a lot of misogyny in it. It's different. The stories you've told me and like the train, like there are th some things that the transformed wife posts that I could see going pretty well in Mormonism. And then some stuff where I'm like, fuck, we weren't even like that. Well, this lady, yeah, this she lady is, a is extreme, ex extreme, but uh, she says things that are implied. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, uh, when you say them out loud, they sound awful, but they were kind of implied in Christianity. In our culture as a whole, it, it was it was hip until recently, could still be hip, I don't know, to talk about your wife like she's this ball and chain that never shuts up, that yeah. you have to just like tolerate. Like that's so funny to talk I about do your think wife. It's kind of gone out of style. It at with least with Tim our Allen generations. The, the, remember that that. That long-running show called the Caveman, some the some the Caveman Diaries. I don't know. There was something, but like that kind of mentality. Yeah. In my man cave, and yeah. this bitch won't shut up. And, Ugh. Yeah. That's a. I call that the typical American marriage. Fucking no thanks. 
Yeah, it doesn't sound cool. Like the men get married and then it just becomes their their life's mission to escape their wife. So the thing that you posted that, that about shutting up, it, like, it could be fine. Everything that she said, just to get into what you're, you meant about the subtlety of it. Yeah. Everything that she said could be fine if you were talking about an individual that's learning to just better themselves. Like if she said, me personally... I know that I speak too quickly sometimes and I need to pause and ask if what I'm saying is really necessary, if it's kind, blah, blah, blah. Like I think that's great advice that I would take for myself. But when you then apply it to one entire gender, then there's all a bunch of stuff that's implied, which is that that gender uh, is naturally flawed. And lesser than the other more godly gender, you know, that gender is on the whole fucked. You know? I, I have a physical reaction to everything this bitch says. It makes me I'm so triggered. One of the main characteristics of wifely submission is being quiet. We are called to have meek and quiet spirits win him without a word and be silent in the churches. God knows women have a tendency to talk too much, share our opinions too quickly, confront when we disagree, and argue to be right. See, right there, those are attributes that could be applied to a million different people. Right. Not every single woman and not every single man. But the, if you said, I, myself personally, have uh, am too quick to blah, 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 and I'm going to work on that, I'd be like, good for you, transformed wife. Look at you transforming yourself. That's wonderful. I don't know, because I, I, I guess when I hear her say we have a tendency to talk too much, share our opinions too quickly, I feel like that is just talking or sharing any opinion. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, you have a vagina, any opinion you share, you shared it too it's quickly. It's superfluous. We didn't yeah. need to hear it. Thank uh, you. Goodbye. Confront when we disagree because someone's telling you what to do. You should confront when you disagree. Right. Yeah. We need to learn to be quiet and hold our tongues and not say everything that is on our minds. Now, that's decent, basic to anybody mm -hmm. you know you don't have to blurt out every fucking thing in your brain but i feel like we're not talking about extreme things we're talking about just women existing as people but be wise as serpents and innocent as doves is that where she lost you why would she lose me there oh just because serpents oh well i'm familiar with that scripture I, you know i uh i guess this she's just but i don't think uh christ ever commanded that to be just the women he said that to all of his disciples. He didn't say just the women should be, but okay. She has another one uh, that I shared last year about women working jobs mm -hmm. and wanting to build careers and just how disgusting it was that women want to uh, go out and build careers. Yeah, and I don't like anyone that gives out blanket advice for everyone. And that's just... You see so much of it with church members, and I think it's in any church, where they think there's some sort of security in the idea of we're all in this group together, and so we all think the same way, and everyone thinks like me, and it makes you feel good. And you don't allow for people to be different inside your own church. There were so many things in Mormonism that I could that people would just judge you for, that because it's just slightly different than how they they worship or they practice religion or how right. they interpret the gospel. 
you can have Republicans and Democrats, liberals and conservatives all within that read the same exact Bible and they interpret it different ways. But you get these people who are like, yep, this is the way and I'm going to make a blog about it because I'm the one. You're becoming your own little uh, prophet. Like you just yeah. want to be the one that everyone follows and stuff. And I'll dish out my advice that's uh, that my husband told me. <laughs> told, my husband told me not to get a job. So now I'm going to tell all women to not get jobs. It's, it's uh do you think it's uh it's insecurity right it's insecurity in your own if you are insecure in your own perception of reality then you feel like you need everyone else to live that exact reality so that mm. you can believe it's real like i think so because i think that someone else's definition of reality is in ch a challenge exactly. whether or not if i if i thought i was insecure like it's definitely certainly a challenge and then you have uh most people don't sit and listen to those challenges they throw up walls right. immediately and they're like no 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 you are a bad christian rather than just listening to how you think christ would be totally okay with your shoulders being exposed <laughs> whatever you know right. it's just like no 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 you've got it wrong you're bad and i'm right i'm trying to think because i have a tendency to be so i mean self-righteousness is a character defect of mine that is really not as bad as it used to be but when i first when i was in the church i loved judging other people mm -hmm. um and i i think i just liked gossiping i think i liked talking <laughs> shit and so being self-righteous gave uh, me that opportunity in recovery early recovery i i got clean and i just didn't I just didn't want to use. I didn't have the desire to use. I wasn't in there fighting some monkey on my back. I wasn't white knuckling it. There was no struggle involved. I just didn't. Do you know what white knuckling it means? No, it's oh. just there. There was a semi just like slowly creeping along the highway outside, like. <laughs> and I was wondering if we were picking it up. If we didn't, uh, maybe we could just take the audio from my voice. <laughs> And lay it underneath <laughs> your dialogue, just real, so they don't miss it. All right, we'll go back to white knuckling. All right, we'll go back to that. I wasn't white knuckling it. I was. I just didn't have the desire to use. Like it ran its course, and I never did again. Ever, I, not one time did I want to use. So I'm in these rooms with people who are struggling, like struggling. That have, This is their second, third, fourth, fifth attempt at this. They're having a completely different experience than I am. And I mean, I was young and immature. And they say that when you start doing drugs, you stunt your emotional growth. And I, I saw a lot of that in the rooms where you saw people who've been doing drugs since they were teenagers. We did all act like old teenagers. But I was like, okay, you get a sponsor, you do the steps, whatever. And so I just did everything. And then I just spent all of my time judging and talking shit about everyone, like everyone that wasn't my friend and pointing out how they're not doing it right and pointing out how I'm better and just the grossest. What a natural stand-up comedian you were. Yeah. <laughs> wow. No wonder you fit right into that community. Oh. You excelled so quickly. My I, friends are the ones that are good, and everyone else <laughs> is never going to make it. Uh, oh, shit, I am still like that. <laughs> You're like, Let's talk about old me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wait. Damn it. Just don't take me to an open mic.
I um and I'm trying to think like where that came from and I think it just I really just at that point in my life didn't have anything else that I wanted to talk about just the most entertaining thing I could think it made me feel that was and what's crazy is that was the most afraid I think I've ever been in my life I was just in recovery yeah just in life in general but it, during, right after ti- using, during that time, I mean. Yeah, right after using when I got clean. I thought I had, like, figured everything out, alien school, whatever. And then I got clean because I was getting away from a relationship that was bad, but that I was positive this person I was going to be with. And the fact that I was wrong about that made me, when I got clean, it kind of colored everything with maybe I was wrong about everything. Because I was so confident. Also, the aliens told me that I was going to be with this person Hmm. that we had things to work on together and stuff. So when I had to leave because the relationship was bad, um, that made me not believe in the aliens because that was the only thing that they'd ever said confidently that didn't happen or that I couldn't see happening at some point. And so when I got clean, uh, all of that stuff went as like bullshit I came up with on drugs. And then I didn't trust myself. And I thought like, I don't feel like I want to get high, but I probably do want to get high. And I just didn't trust myself at all. And being that disconnected for myself, I wouldn't listen to my gut. I only listened to what everyone else said. Made me very insecure. And uh, I was not self-assured. The social anxiety was off the hook. And I think the only thing... (laughs) It's not a podcast until (laughs) Jessa knocks water over. It was closed this time. I just want my leg right there. Okay. Uh. Um, so there is a connection there between, because now it's like, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't have to compare myself to other people to feel like I'm doing something right. I don't, I don't see why everyone needs to be the same at anything. I think I see the value of where, other people stand I'm trying to think of an example now I don't think I get like I think when I was judgmental and pointed fingers and stuff in when I was a Christian it's because I was not comfortable I didn't feel good at any of it and I didn't feel worthy of any of it and there was just a ton of this reinforced idea that I wasn't enough of a woman that I wasn't feminine enough that I wasn't pretty enough that I wasn't hot enough to keep my husband from fucking someone else that I wasn't you know the only thing I was good at was that people got saved Mm. believe it or not I'm very charismatic Mm -hmm. and very good at converting people so Um, uh, speaking of which there's a subreddit going on right now (laughs) where people watch Jess's meth pee video on Comedy Central and she, Jessa's life mission, what Jessa believes her life mission, and I agree, is to wake people up. She wants to wake people up. She, they, the aliens told her that she had a tribe of people to wake up. And uh, that's what we are currently seeing unfold. But with a handful of tweakers who are like, wait, did the bitch say we could drink RP? <laughs> and there's like a subreddit of people talking about it right now. Like, how many times? How many times can you drink it, do you think? Oh, like, do you fuck. just get one drink, or can I just keep drinking my pee? <laughs> like, do I just need to buy, do I just need to score meth one time, and I'm good for, like, how long? A week? A month? How many times do you drink pee before you die? Like, oh, all these people are asking questions, it. and Jess is like, God damn, my natural charisma. <laughs> you used to use it for good. You used to save people. 
I don't know the how you and walk miracles away on them. from hearing that Seriously, story. Seriously, though, speaking of miracles, I mean, Jesus turned water into wine. <laughs> you turned your own pee <laughs> into a pretty good time. <laughs> oh. Oh. My God is a God of miracles. I, the thread, too, is like, uh, no, no, she's, I, I heard Jessa Reed said it. She's a famous comedian and she's pretty. <laughs> yeah, someone said, all, and also pretty. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's uh, that's my credibility. It's so embarrassing. There's so many there's so many dudes online that want you so bad. And I get every, like, we get messages and stuff, and I can tell. I can tell they want you. Yeah. Yeah. Ditto. The, the dudes want you. <laughs> uh. What was I we can cut this part out that makes you blush. Did it make me blush? It looks like it. No. All right, we'll cut it out. It's just a blush like a little bitch. <laughs> so I the first okay, so I get saved the first time when I'm 15 before I meet the pastor's son, and I am not cool with the kids. I'm like a compulsive liar, so I try to tell them that I would have to when they were inviting me to stuff originally. I was like, oh. I'm in a gang. <laughs> well, you, and my gang won't let me uh, do youth group stuff. <laughs> I'm glad to hear it. <laughs> what self-respecting gang would? And I would like fantasize because I could tell they didn't believe me. I would fantasize about like tagging the side of the church because that would prove it. You mean not those t- church? I thought the church dweebs would have believed you and been like, "Oh, you're so." These cool. weren't church dweebs though. These were like popular high school kids that got saved. Oh, so these. Was, have you ever seen a cool youth group? Yeah, yeah. There was one. There was one, one, there like was one in Maryland and... that had like a fucking skate park. Yeah, stuff, and yeah. you had to be. This was like a hip, a hip group of of okay. kids. So. um... Yeah, they weren't going to buy any of my bullshit under any circumstances. So then the night I got saved, I was on acid all day. And then I had to meet up with my grandma to go home with her. And they invited me to go tubing down Mount Hood the next day. Mm-hmm. And so I went to their house and they were all like praying and slaying each other in the spirit. And I did it and I got slayed in the spirit. And I was like, oh, this is magic. I'm down with anything that's magic. And I was just the next day I was the most... They called it on fire. Like I was batshit for Jesus and I never stopped moving. What do you mean they call it on fire? What were you doing? They call describe, they call well, describe they, what you were doing the next day. So we went to the I was also mostly just a sh- like just oh God, I was the worst. This is making me think about. Yeah, just uh, yeah. Constant attention needed constant attention. Constant. Uh-huh. So we went up to Mount Hood and I rode down on the tubing once and then just walked around to every single person in, uh, was that Timberline Lodge and was like, do you know about Jesus? Like, I'm just witnessing. Whoa. It's been 15 minutes since I got saved. Wait, I don't even saying, know what the fuck I'm talking about. Are you saying you, I'm walking you, up. Jessa, mm-hmm. uh, learned something new and then immediately told everyone <laughs> in the whole world about it? I know it's weird. You're on fire about <laughs> a lot of things <laughs> most days. Uh, but, you know, they like that shit in, in the church. Yeah. They're, uh, they're a fan of that. And so I think I was, like, kind of mocked behind my back. By the other church kids? Yeah, by the youth pastor, who I'm friends with now. But, like, the, the culture was very 
uh, we were dicks. I eventually climbed my way to the top to, and I was part of the elite. But, but in the beginning, I was just this white trash. Because these were all like hot girls and guys that were popular in high school and shit. And I was like dropped out of high school, drug addict, thought I was a wannabe gangster. Like, you know, so I... I then was going to a, I was riding up to Mount Hood Community College to get my GED and I had to go to these like classes every day where they teach you how to get a job and shit. It was the CPS made me go to this and I would ride on the bus for 45 minutes every day and wouldn't stop witnessing to people until I found someone who would come to church with me. And so when I walked into youth group, I walked into youth group with six, seven people at a time. Like, so it quickly became where the pastor's like, I don't, cause I, none of them liked me. The kids didn't like me. I wasn't popular with them. So I was just like, well, Wait, I'll, I'll just make all my own friends. friends. <laughs> yeah. And I did become friends with Annette who, uh, you see on Facebook, Annette, I think Annette was my first close friend. And then I ended up becoming friends with all of them. But in the beginning I would ride up and I met a couple teenage moms up there and so I brought enough teenage moms to the youth group and got them saved that the church opened a teen mom's house for uh, a teen mother's ministry. Dang. Um, I hooked up with a, not hooked up, but I linked up with a, a Christian guy up in, at the college where I was supposed to be taking GED classes and got him to start donating Bibles to me. So then I was just bringing cases of Bibles to give away to new uh, new kids. And I was just so In another into it. reality, you and me would have been kick-ass mission companions. Yeah. We would have been fantastic. There's, I always felt super guilty when I was on buses because I didn't want to talk to people. We had this thing on the mission called DHE Bonus. You were supposed to talk to like an extra 10 people every single day outside of your – like any planned – proselyting time which your whole day is proselyting and teaching appointments and stuff but it's like all the in-between times to help keep you focused like on always trying to save people that even like on the walk to the bus stop you you should be trying to find someone to just stop and talk to on the bus there was this one uh elder that uh i remember people like with wide eyes telling stories about how um the only about train rides about when we had to travel across Italy and take like a nice four to six hour train ride for me, that was, uh, I caught up on my, my journal writing. I would take naps. It's the only like, time you had a break. You could just sit down and not right. do anything. But this elder would, would, uh, walk from car to car, like little Jessa Reed and, uh, and find people to teach. He would, he would never stop. And the mission president loved him, and we all—he was a really nice guy. We all liked him. Like he, like he, the legend was—and this is true—but it just became legendary that he invited someone to get baptized that he met on the train. He just was going car to car to car until he found someone that he had, you know, this huge long discussion with, and then invited them to be baptized and stuff. And I constantly felt bad that I wasn't doing that. Wow! <laughs> I was just like, oh man, stop making us look so bad, David. I uh, loved it. I fed off of it. I had a wall. I had my room was spray painted graffiti. Like my mom let me, I lived in the basement. She let me graffiti my room and I painted over all of it. 
and it said serving Jesus 24-7. 24-7. And uh, then I had an entire wall with phone numbers. I would get people's phone numbers. And so I had an entire wall of pieces of paper of people's phone numbers. And every one, like Tuesday and Saturday, I would call every single number that I got and invited them to come to church with me. And uh, I was so, cr- and I didn't really understand, like I didn't know anything about, about the Bible. So I was just telling my story. And, um, but I was, this is how, I was just so outgoing What's and could immediately story? connect. That I've been searching for something my entire life that I knew that there was something more and, uh, you know, my childhood and all the things that I'd done. I mean, by that point, I'd already been drinking, doing drugs. I'd already fucked grown men as a teen. You know, I'm like 15 right now. I've had Mm -hmm. it like I've got this. You were getting laid in the spirit. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And now you're getting slain in the spirit. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I'd already had a, 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 a rape baby. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but when when you went to youth group that one afternoon, that one the day before, you know, tubing, what happened? I was tripping on acid all night and all day, I think. And my grandma, because that church was in my old neighborhood and CPS had taken me, taken me out of my mom's custody because I kept running away. And put me in my grandma's custody. And my grandma was super naive and didn't really know what I was doing ever. And a lot of times when she would take me to church, I would just go in the front doors and go back out the back doors and go see my friends. Because it was like two blocks away from my neighborhood. And um, I didn't get to see them when I was at her house. So this day, I can't remember what it was. I said I was spending the night at a friend's house. And I had been on acid for almost 24 hours. And I came back Sunday night. And... um to get picked up by her and had to sit through a service and I was just still kind of like a little bit high or something high enough that when they invited me out it sounded more fun than going back to my grandma's house and watching tv mm-hmm. and so I went to that party with them when they were praying they were speaking in tongues and uh there's a million kids there and they were speaking in tongues and like had hands on on like two people, one person on each side, their hand on the other person's forehead and they were praying and then the person would go down. And I can't remember what I said. I said something fucking dumb. I was like, what is that fainting thing you guys are doing? And they were like, oh my God, you've never been slaying the spirit. Because I'd been around the youth group for a couple months now and was just would walk in and say a bunch of stupid shit and then leave. I'm in a gang. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. They had dealt with a lot of that bullshit from me in the in the in the couple of months before that. And so they prayed and I did feel something. And I had been on acid though and hadn't slept in twenty four hours. So do you think that had something to do with it? I think I felt a connection to something within myself. I don't know what there is something weird about speaking in tongues. Um That's always freaked me out. I don't know if it is an easier way to communicate with your higher self. Because you were like stepping outside of language, like learned programmed language. But it is a thing and it does feel different. I think that there's something, I could definitely see it being a freeing exercise, the way that you have acting exercises where right. they want to strip you down and take away all your, all the, all the, the self-conscious thoughts that we have. We right. think about what to say and how to say it and how to act and they're like they want you we do exercises in acting to become more instinctual 
and to become more animalistic and just just go off of your gut and stuff. And I could see speaking in tongues being like that. Yeah, in a place where you're with other people praying and stuff. That yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I don't I don't think I was communicating with God, but I think something about letting that go in that space with other people. Do you think God ever gets tired of people shouting nonsense at him? <laughs> and he's like, God. He just He's just he has he has just a a, a mailbox full of voicemails. It's all like I'm like a doll. He's just rolling his eyes like I can fucking understand you regularly. <laughs> and they call it something like getting the spirit, and you have to like someone who already can speak in tongues has to pray with you so that you can get it. Usually, and I remember it took my mom forever to get it, and so I was just praying because, of course, I was super good at it. So I was praying with my mom in her living room, and when she finally got it, it was bird to bird to bird. So Mormon, Mormons believe in the gift of tongues. They'll bless people with the gift of tongues, but they they mean it. To literally learn another language yeah. that's like a real, <laughs> like when we when we were studying Italian in the MTC, we would pray to be blessed with the gift of tongues to help us understand uh, the people and help uh, uh, this you know the spirit work through us so that we could be understood so that we would say the right words. That's that's their uh, interpretation of that gift, uh, you know. Yeah, so it's that, just their their gift of tongues is a little bit more Duolingo. Uh, <laughs> it's not bird to bird yeah, bird, to bird, bird, bird to bird. <laughs> um, but there is. Did we ever release Mormon myths? Not yet. No. Okay, we well, you know in Mormon myths. You you talk about how there is stories that everyone knows. Someone that has this story. Mm-hmm. Everyone knows someone that has a story where they were in a foreign language in a pinch, and they started speaking tongues, and the tongues happened to be the language uh. that they were in. Interesting. Are Mormons talking about just like Rosetta Stone? Yeah. Or okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's just Is like that a gift? you'll hear, yeah a story about like and then suddenly I was on like a missionary will be like I'm, I was on the bus, and suddenly everyone was speaking in English. You know, I could understand everyone speaking in English. Yeah. Um, which I had that experience, not. But I, I don't think that there's anything supernatural about it. I think that it's a it's a common experience when you're learning another language and you're immersed in it. That in the beginning, I, I, I'm fascinated with languages. I love to talk about them. I love learning them. And I love people that learn new languages. It's cool. It's an awesome experience. And the best way to do it is to get immersed. And the one of the first steps that you do is translation. You're... Because learning learning a language is more than just translating. You there is no direct translation from one language to another. That a translation is always an attempt. That's not that's not uh you know, fluidity. That's right. it's just it's just an attempt. So when you when you hear words in Italian, your first step is you translate them into an English counterpart right. in your head. So you are retelling everything that they say uh, in their language, in your own head, in English. Eventually, you can get past that, right. and you're just thinking, dreaming, doing everything mind. in in that language. But there were, um, I remember asking my my trainer when we came back from a, an appointment. Was, was, so when your your trainer's your first companion, so I'm brand new, and I was like, "Is it weird that I remember that whole conversation in English?" 
like in my mind right now, when I think back to that memory, they're, none of them are speaking in Italian. They're all speaking in English. And he was like, no, that's not weird. That's just how you remember it, blah, blah, blah. And so then when I would hear missionaries tell that story, uh, I'd be like, um, obviously your trainer didn't tell you <laughs> my, oh, wow. that it's just it's just a normal thing. But, uh, yeah. That's an interesting conscious mind, uh, subconscious mind. When we Did we talk about hypnosis? You and me talk about hypnosis all the time. I'm very interested in it. I mean, we, I mean you've talked about uh, what's in Benny Hill. Benny, yeah, Benny Hinn. Benny Hinn. Benny Hinn. But you have like your conscious mind, Benny your Hins. unconscious mind, your uh, your conscious mind, your subconscious mind, and your unconscious mind. And your unconscious mind is things that your body just does. And your subconscious mind is like your belief in your programming. This is all from the uh, standpoint of hypnosis, the premise of hypnosis. <laughs> But when you're trying to do things consciously, they are so much more difficult than once they are programming. So just like when you're first learning how to drive and you're thinking about every single move that you're making while driving, it's so clunky and difficult. But now that you drive without thinking about it. Hmm. Jessa, please think while you're driving. Uh. Are you thinking about driving while you're driving? Yeah. I'm a very good driver. You're thinking, I'm going to put my blinker on right now. What? (laughs) Yeah. How else does your blinker get put on? Your body doesn't just do it. (laughs) Wait a second. What? I'm sorry. All right. I'm not going to take. I'm not going to take advice from the woman (laughs) that takes three hours to go to a grocery store. She's just driving in circles around the grocery store, just missing exits constantly because her she's waiting for her own body to subconsciously turn on the signal. I, well, it wasn't time to exit. Otherwise, my body natural <laughs> reflexes would have put on my right blinker and I would have exited. But that didn't happen. You're thinking about exiting? Is that your life hack? Is that how you get to places on time? <laughs> God. <laughs> oh. Oh. <laughs> thinking about <laughs> please so i wish someone else was here to help me with this you all right you don't do you th- <laughs> mm. you don't think do you think when you walk Okay, I guess, yeah, I'm thinking less. There's less stuff. I'm not. You can put yourself on autopilot, I guess. Yeah. This... You don't drive. <laughs> Hold on. I want to tell the story now. <laughs> we were, we were, uh, we were gonna, we were like on this. Anyway, it doesn't matter. We were in Washington. We're on this tour together. And uh, I don't know where I got, the idea just came to me where I just started sprinting. <laughs> And Jessa just started running right next to me. She's just running. And she's like, and she's got this look on her face like, what? What is it? And I was like, nothing. I just, I just uh, wanted to see if I could make you sprint for no reason. Because <laughs> you put your body, Jessa's, Jessa's head is so up in the clouds. Not like in a negative. I mean, like she's on big picture stuff. She's, uh, you, 
when you when you spend so much time and energy thinking about the nature of consciousness and the and whether or not this is a video game, it doesn't really save you a lot of of mental space to worry about where you're putting your feet. <laughs> and so Jessa looks to like when she's with other people, she just uh, tries to sync up her body with them <laughs> and just do what they do. And then she just gets she shuts like she puts her body on autopilot and and then is elsewhere like her mind is gone and somewhere else. And people, I don't think, realize that they have total control over Jess's body. <laughs> you know, like they, they you're they, like, like Pacific Rim robots. Like you, you've got a mental, a neural handshake that that you're unaware. Of. Like, and whatever you do, Jess's body will do that. <laughs> and so I just put it to the test. This has been like been days of her just following me around, walking and stuff. Um, when I, when I do not, like there was one time this happened at the, at the San Antonio airport or yeah. Austin, or Austin, the Austin airport where we, where I wasn't in charge of where we were going. I was like following you guys yeah. and you just walked to the end of a hangar <laughs> and I just was like, all right, we walked all the way to the end of the hangar and then just was like, where are we? Where are we? So I wanted to put it to the test, and I was like, what would happen end? if I just started sprinting out of nowhere? <laughs> and you didn't even immediately ask what's going on. <laughs> we ran for a while. And before you were like, is there a wolf chasing us? <laughs> is there something? You just, you just, your body just went. <laughs> oh, fuck. So, yeah, I don't, I'm not going to take a lot of driving tips from you. Okay. Well, full disclosure, (laughs) I think that everyone drives uh, with their unconscious mind, but I do have a tendency to, when I leave the house, to go to the... If I'm alone, it's not great. It's like I uh, go really far into my head, and then I forget where I'm going. I get to the grocery store. I can't remember what I'm supposed to buy. I... um, can never remember where my car is. I spend hours a week just trying to find my car. And the way that my brain remembers memories, it's Also, pictures. it's hard when your car gets stolen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, was a, I've, uh, that is after my car, my house got burglarized. We'll do that in a different one I want to talk about. Okay, sure. Um, but, yeah, I spend... Because I, I don't know, my memories are in pictures. So if... I get out of the car and it was not in my body when I got out of the car and I was thinking about something else. When I try to remember where my car is, I will remember whatever image I had in my mind at the time. Mm. Does that make sense? And a lot of times when we're talking about uh, conversations we've had, though, I can tell you where I was. Yeah, yeah. Where I was sitting when we had the conversation because my brain remembers things in pictures. Oh, anyway, that's interesting about language and uh, fluidity. Is that Fluent, fluency is fluency. what I should have said. I think I messed it up when I said it. Um, fluency. Because you're having to think before you talk. And that was just interesting. That little segue was just so that I could say, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I love it. So I took 
So I ended up graduating in Italian. That's what my degree is in. And uh, what a coincidence. I had to get a coincidence. Oh, you graduated from college. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. That's not how high school works. Got no, it. No, no, no. So, <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> I've heard. I've heard. <laughs> no, I didn't learn any Italian until after, until I went to the MTC. And I loved it. I loved learning it. And so I just wanted the easiest possible route in college. And that was to take a bunch of classes about stuff I already knew. <laughs> so I kept. Nice. Uh, but I, at the end, I had to get tested. And I got whatever the 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 highest is like just under native fluency, right? And so people ask if I'm fluent in Italian, and I always say no. And the, I I think that if they I heard me speak Italian, they would think I was fluent. But there is such a giant chasm in between me. And what I think fluency is, where you're native like, fluent yeah. means that's their first language. When you're, yeah, when you're in your mother tongue, where you don't think about it. Right. Um, when I get there, is times when I can get on a roll. Uh, when I when I go visit, it takes about forty eight hours. Forty eight hours to loosen up, and then I start thinking in Italian again, and I'm immersed in it, and it can be whatever. But I'll never, I will never ever speak Italian as well and as fluently as native speakers do right so i don't think anyone real i think it's very rare that someone achieves fluent pure true fluency in another language so w- after you got further into church and then you ended up marrying a pastor's kid then i meet you, the pastor you were kid. really into church um where did you meet people like the transformed wife and were you against them then did they rub you the wrong they did they make you as mad then as this woman does now i had a sensation my whole life and i think this came from the dude that molested me where i was garbage like trash like i came from trash i was poor and i didn't act like a, a woman and so i the sensation was really that this is what real people are this is what normal people are, and I should aspire to this. And so I really bought into it for a long time. I don't know. I, I, I wanted to be it. The, I, the submitting part was hard for me just because it's not my personality. And then I didn't marry a man who was any good at running the show. Mm-hmm. And so it was a lot of me like hating myself for not being able to... Submit to someone who just didn't want to be in charge. But when I found the first supernatural thing that ever happened was I was, uh, I met the prophetess. We talked about this on one of the podcasts. Yeah. And she told me that I had that gift. And then when I was doing the prison ministry and started being able to see people's like core, like what now I know to be an ability that I have to, to hear people's like core motivation and, and fear. And I could hear that and use that to help people. And then when I got in trouble for that was a big shelf moment. Second shelf moment for me, I think. No, for, that's your it's first, the first shelf. shelf. Um, because I felt like the, su- the, the gift of being able to hear people. Like when the prophetess lady said that stuff to me, first of all, it resonated because it was magic. And I that was why I was in Christianity. By this point, I'm like, 
uh, in kind of the noise nickels and numbers department, I'm seeing like a lot of the wiring under the board. Like I'm seeing a lot of the money stuff, which is hard mm-hmm. to feel spiritual when you're seeing a lot of the money stuff. And I, I had, you know, uh, was in the up o- almost the top echelon of behind the scenes on staff and stuff. So I just, um, this was something that still felt very magic and spiritual and it felt like it was helping people. And I was, I was helping girls that came from a life similar to mine. And this is the thing that I loved about the family that I married into was that this guy was like a street preacher. You know, I wanted to, I wanted to help people who were like considered less than. And so when I got in trouble for doing that, for being one was super spiritual, like too magic like too spiritual and the big reason was because my husband wasn't doing anything like that that kind of bugged me a little bit and then and then they were mad if your husband had been out there on the streets with you they wouldn't have yeah if he was more spiritual but since he was like almost backslidden they were like there's no reason that god would be letting you do that because you're an uncovered woman because everything's through your man this is in Mormonism. All right, so we you've asked me a lot about the sexism in Mormon uh, in Mormonism and there's a, a bunch. I think a lot of it at the core is the same stuff that the transformed wife believes in, but she is so out she is so loud about it that right. I I see why you think she's a troll. The person who I thought was a troll was the one who commented on her picture that was like uh where she made a post about uh don't tempt don't tempt men. Yeah. But she used a picture of someone wearing spaghetti straps and there was another person who was calling her out for using the picture. And I was like, I think that person's a troll. You're going to cause men to stumble while trying this. to. Yeah. Yeah. No, I heard a There's lot, a lot, of that lot kind of in stuff. Mormonism. I think girls are taught that they're responsible for boys thoughts. That's a, so I think there's a lot of stuff, but the, the big, the big stuff at the heart of it, that, I don't think gets as much attention among, I don't know, maybe I won't say that, but is that everything comes through the man in terms of salvation. Right. When you get to heaven, when you get to the veil, uh, there's like passwords that the Mormons have that they tell you in the temple ceremonies. There's special sacred words, covenants, handshakes, uh, that you have to, you have to like, you have to like slip, uh, an angel, like a, like a fiver to get into, <laughs> <laughs> and, and if they don't, if they don't teach you that, you're never going to get it. Oh, it's like um, a speakeasy. Yeah, exactly. Um, and they only, the, the man is responsible for bringing his wife in to heaven. What if she so dies it's like, first? it's like he, well, there's this. That's why you're sealed for eternity. You just well, like well, no one's getting into heaven until the second coming. Essentially, you're waiting. You're waiting in spirit paradise until the the morning of the first resurrection. So you're just chilling out there anyway. And then, then you know, you're just kind of in a queue. I guess you're just waiting. You're like, God, when is this gate gonna open? It's been so long. But uh, (laughs) they give you. I, I didn't know if I was ever going to tell this. Well, I'm gonna, oh, I'm glad you are. Well, are you, yeah? Yeah. Yeah? Um, I realized I said something on the podcast already where I acknowledged that Tabitha wasn't her name. So there's... Uh, 
All right, I'll go ahead and say it. Yeah. There in the temple, you get given a new name when you receive your in your endowments. You're given a new name, and you're supposed to keep it secret. You're not supposed to tell anybody. Here's what they don't tell you outright: is that everyone who gets their endowments the day that you do, which is a lot of people around the world uh, all get given the same new name as you. It's so just every, on a calendar? Yeah, it's just like on a calendar, right? All, so, so, so my name, my name, um, well, the when the guy, the old, there's an old guy the, behind the curtain who gave me my new name, and he said Joel, and I thought, that sounds cool. That sounds like Superman's dad. Like, everyone on Krypton is like Kal-El and stuff, mm-hmm. and I was like, I'm Joel. That's tight. Then I realized it was just Joel. <laughs> Just, just Joel, but that dude was just putting a little bit of extra pronunciation on it. And so that was that was my new name, and uh, you you use it, I guess. I, I can't remember if you ever say it again in the temple or if you just hold that on. But you, when I got uh, married, my wife had to get her uh, new name when she received received her endowments. So men never tell anyone their new name ever. Women do tell don't tell anyone except for their husbands. But she didn't know yours. She and they do not know. Yeah, you the husbands do not tell their wives their new name. Ugh. Uh, yeah, but the wife has to tell the husband because the husband is the one who will call them into heaven. So God calls uh, me by my new by my new temple name. Well. And then, and then, like a thousand people all raise their <laughs> hand at once because they all got the name at the same time. They're like, who? Me? What? Did you say Joel or Joel? <laughs> what was that, Lord? I don't want to miss my chance. Anyway, and then, and then, uh, God gives you a handshake and pulls you through the veil. Uh, I guess this is. <laughs> I am butchering it. Don't worry, guys. It's actually a lot weirder. Uh, but then the husband, who's been sealed to this woman, calls her name. So that's why the husband has to know her name. Oh. Uh, if he doesn't know, uh, then uh, he can't. She, you know, he can't call her name and bring her into heaven because I guess they're like not standing together. <laughs> yeah, no, no. They're not standing. They're separated, like uh, Jews that, in the Holocaust. Like they're just on opposite sides. Doesn't uh, sound like a very no. Uh, I don't know. It ceiling. Really. So um, my my ex wife's my ex wife's new name was Tabitha. <laughs> that was the name that they gave her in the temple, oh, and so uh, great. Um, it was my lawyer Peter Kern who said uh, when I was testing out, I kept testing out uh, fake names on stage. To see which ones I I enjoyed screaming the most, yeah. <laughs> like which is, is is what's funnier to scream? Is it Christine or Heather? Like what? And I would chest out stuff, and uh, Pete said you should do her temple name. Do you know what her temple name is? And I was like, it's just so weird. Like no one's named Tabitha. A lot of people. It comes that name comes up all the time for me now. I really? swipe. There's so many Tabithas on Tinder. I get so <laughs> many Tabithas. Oh really? Yeah. I don't know. I wasn't sure if it was going to work either when you first started doing it, and now I love it. Yeah, people seem to. Anyway, that's it. That's her. Uh, I like it. I like it because it is still her name. Yeah, it feels yeah. true when I say it. It also like, and this is why I never wanted. To, I I considered never sharing it, or I thought I was never going to tell anyone because I loved the little inside joke that was just for me. Yeah, I loved the little bit of 
desecration. Like I knew that I was, you know, I'm doing something. I'm taking, I'm making, there's a, there's something sacred there that I am, uh, making fun of. I've also not supposed to tell anyone the name, you know? And so I thought I would just keep it a secret forever and no one would, uh, ever know. I didn't know that you slipped on the podcast. I said, well, I didn't say her name. I just said, I said something about, I acknowledged that she had a different name. Oh. Uh, which, I know, I get so worried about, I just don't want people ever trying to look her up. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Don't, if if that thought has ever crossed your mind, please don't ever do that. Don't yeah. ever look, don't ever try to find out who she is and stuff. I don't want, I just, I want her to have, uh, <laughs> privacy and stuff you know uh i would just like it on the official record that aaron woodall just spilt his water <laughs> fuck i thought you weren't gonna say anything for a second i was like wow that is really cool of <laughs> i was just letting you finish your sentence thank you very very sweet so i don't know what it is i i'm legitimately i get triggered by this fucking bitch and i think I just the idea and and now this isn't this isn't groundbreaking in 2018 that women don't exist for the pleasure of men but there's something really insidious about a woman I mean I it feels like laziness to me you're too lazy to use your own mind and to have your own thoughts and to go after things that you want and so you would rather just have a man do all of it for you and then have your entire life being jumping through hoops to please this man. That's cool that you're fucking lazy and don't have anything that you want to do with your own life. But don't put that on to other women or teach that to young women like it's a virtue. Or, uh, I don't know. I just, today I feel like this is probably not even a real, not even a real, oh, it is though. Because she does fucking videos. I don't know. I don't know why it makes me so mad. It must be my time in that. I think absolutely it's your time there. Because it triggers me in a way that I'm like, it's this is touching something. It's everything that the pastor's something. kid said to you. It's everything that the that, that family said to you about your womanhood and how you should behave. I think that it all brings that all up for you. Is there a thing in Mormonism with your relationship with... I think it's the one thing about Christianity that I feel angry that I believed because the rest of it I, I can put the rest of it somewhere that it was mm. a stepping stone of my spirituality that I needed to spend some time as a psychic disciplinarian to understand the ranks of that like I can put it all somewhere but the fact that I allowed these people to tell me that I wasn't good enough and that throughout my life starting with the pastor that molested me um that I lacked that I was not a woman because I didn't fit into this mold of what a woman is supposed to be. And that has shown up at different times in my life. I mean, I think when we very first became friends and I thought that you didn't think I was hot, I went through a whole like, well, it's because he was raised around uh, religious uh, people and he probably thinks I'm disgusting. Not disgusting, like not, you know, not hot. Disgusting, like too too vulgar, too loud, too out, you know. Mm-hmm. Um but I really bought into... No, I really just didn't think your tits were big enough. <laughs> you could have picked one that was like... <laughs> not so accurate. Uh, <laughs> have you considered that you're disgusting? 
Um, I believed it. I believed that I was less than. I don't know how I ever felt about being told what to do, but it definitely, it resonated in this belief that I had from childhood that I wasn't what a woman was. And that, because I am way feminine now compared to then, like way feminine. And I remember like my mother-in-law teaching me how to walk with a book on my head type shit out of an 80s movie, like teaching me how to speak feminine and act feminine and I remember trying to emulate her and stuff because I was just sagging pants I wore my first pair of high heels while I was at that church and did it for like a year and then was like yeah I'm never doing this how did the gang feel when you wore high heels Uh, by then I had been beaten out (laughs) (laughs) Uh, they would never let me in the gang otherwise I would have totally been in a gang anyway no but I think that you're hitting the nail on the head so it just makes me so mad. It's such fucking garbage. I agree. I just can't. It's 2018. How the fuck is someone still talking like this? Hmm. In the next episode, let's talk about... Uh, oh, no. I know what I want to say. Fuck this fucking bitch in the comments. <laughs> in the comments, the chick that calls her on the picture is like... uh. I am really surprised to see this from you. My, now I have to find it. Hold for a second. Yeah, yeah, we'll hold hold on. All right, these are the kind. This is the kind of shit that these people are saying. Um, In the comments, there is a woman that says, "I've tried, but my own nature takes over." Any advice from the women here who have overcome their own instincts with time? Uh, what steps have you taken to work on self-control? Emotions are very powerful, even when reasoning tells you otherwise. As a woman, how do you cope with explosive emotions? And then it's just this, like, they're just going back and forth about the chick in the spaghetti strap dress, where she's like, you are, I, my husband showed me this article, showed me your website, so that I could learn how to be a better wife. Her husband, this is so fucking Stepford Wives, her husband showed me your website and then when I looked at it and realized that you have this picture of this woman in a tank top that could cause men to stumble. My, my, husband, calls my husband to my stumble. My husband looked at this filth. So let me get this straight. You are uh, handing all of the power over to a man who can't handle looking at a fucking picture on some bitchy ass blog. Like that is that is the, the boss of your entire life is someone who can't be trusted around a fucking picture. Yeah. So women are responsible for all of the actions of men, but also shouldn't fucking talk or have an opinion. Like, that's so insane. That's so insane. And the men that, like, perpetuate this shit and get the women to perpetuate it amongst themselves, it's fucking disgusting. I hope they all die in a fire. And on that note... We're going to wrap up today's episode. (laughs) Wishing for hellfire to be cast down on the transformed wife and her minions. (laughs) Follow up with us next week. To see how many of them we got in the <laughs> fire tornado on Mormon and the Meth Head. Not so fast.
This is Jezebel, your resident blasphemer, here to lead the women astray and also talk about tour dates. If you want to come see us and you're in Los Angeles, we will be at Cosmic Vinyl on Thursday, August 23rd. On Saturday, August 25th, we will be near Baltimore at Sully's Comedy Cellar in Parkville, Maryland. The next night, we will be at Comedy Sports Theater in Philadelphia. Tickets for both of those shows are available on our website. You should get them ahead of time, as well as the Duplex in New York City on August 21st, 31st. I can't read my own handwriting. On September 1st, I alone will be at I will be in Port Clinton, Ohio at a bar that I can't pronounce. The next night, you can catch me in San Diego at American Comedy Company. I will be filming a comedy special for Epics. If you would rather see Aaron and I together, we will be back in San Diego sometime later in September. Keep an eye on our website for that information. Also in September, we will be in Washington and Oregon. All of these dates are on our website, mormoninthemethhead.com. While you're hanging out on the internet, be sure to check out our subreddit, and join our Facebook group. And if you're sad because this is your last episode of Mormon and the Meth Head and you're all caught up, go ahead over to Patreon. You can give us five bucks and get extra shit. If you put a Mormon and a Meth Head together, this is what they sound like. Aaron Woodall and read our friends listen to them talking to Mike. Sure.